Okay, so there's an incredible Chazal, a Pesach in Yeshaya, very interesting thing. Chazal tell us, Ki noyach zois li. Talking about the Mabble that occurred in the time of Noyach, obviously. And it's called the Mabble of Noyach. It's called Noyach's Mabble. And the question is why? Why is it referred to as the Mabble of Noyach? It was at the time of Noyach, but he didn't, as far as we know, cause it. It was nothing really to do with him. He saved people. Why is it called the Mabble of Noyach? So the Zoya says an incredible thing. And the Zoya explains because he didn't daven on his generation. He didn't govern that the generation that he was in was saved. There were balanced miramas to this also. And that means for 120 years, Noach is building this teva while being, you know, have been told by the Rabbi Shalom that he's going to be saved, but have not done enough for his generation. But it shows us that Chazal have now attributed the Mabal to Noach because he didn't govern. Which means that if a person could have davened and didn't daven, he might be held accountable or responsible for anything that happens. So that is the koyach of tefillah once again that we see how chosh of a tefillah is. Now today I want to move on to a different direction. I want to talk about kavana. Yesterday we talked a little bit about it, what it means to believe in your tefillahs. I want to move into this simple definition of kavana. Kavana means intention or concentration, or any of those above, and probably a lot more translations that we could say. But I want to give a little bit of chizok and ideas, because I hear this a lot from people, you know, I, I can't concentrate. We spoke about it yesterday, someone came to him, Sal Salanta. I can't, it's very hard to concentrate during davening. Does a person really concentrate during the davening? Every word means so much. The answer can, the put so much into the words. Do we actually concentrate on what we're saying? And if not, how do we give ourselves a chizok? to try and concentrate, to try to actually concentrate on the words and concentrate on the power of our davening. The Chavis Halavavis writes in Shach Cheshbun HaNefesh, Perek Gimel, that tefillah without kavana is like a body without a soul. And a body without a soul isn't much. And that's why a person has to realize it's so important, the Kuzari, that it brings down from the Kuzari that three times a day we daven Shemun Esra, because it's the heart of our day and it gives us the strength to continue. But again, it's all stemming from kavana. Now, um, so I want to tell, I want to say a couple of a couple of ideas when it comes to kavana. So, okay, but before we get to that, I want to mention one incredible thing uh, going on the same theme of kavana. Obviously, but there's a Rambam. Okay, there's a Rambam in Hilchos Matnasani and Perek Zayin, where the Rambam says, talking about the Indian of tzedakah, how much do you have to give an oni? A guy comes to you and says, oni money. How, how much do you have to give? It? Is there a minimum? Is there a maximum? Like, how does it work? So the Rambam says, you know what your chiv is? Most people don't know this. Do you know what your obligation is? Your obligation is to give him whatever he needs. Whatever he's missing. So he comes to you and says, uh, I'm making a wedding for my daughter. It's costing me $25,000. Can you help me? What is your obligation? You write a check for $25,000. Because that's what he needs, right? That's the din of stocker. However, says the Rambam, what if he's not only going to you? What if he's come, obviously if you've got the money, you haven't got the money, you haven't got the money, but don't worry about person that's got the money. What if he's not only coming to you, he's also knocking on your next door neighbor, and the next door neighbor is going down the street asking everyone for money. So what's the din in that case? The din is, you give him a small amount, you mishtatif together. I'll give something, the neighbor will give something, and eventually he'll get to his goal and may, be able to make a chasna. Okay? Why am I telling you this, Rambam? The Rav Shinshan Pinkus brings in Sha'arim B'Tfilim this incredible idea. He says, this Rambam is very negated tefillah. If you come to the Rabbi Nishalayla, and you say, God, I need so much. 
I need health, I need parnasa, I need shidduchim for me, for my children, I need children, I need, there's so much that I need. But uh, don't worry, I'm going to the doctor to ask him also, and I'm going to do this, and I'm also going to make, you know, my boss is also going to, you know, you're going, you're asking the Rabbanishon for his share in what you need, but you're also relying on your boss, and you're also relying on the doctor, and you're also relying on this one, that one, the other one. So then the Rambam replies that Hashem, Hashem will be mishtatif in your cause. I will give you something small, just like the Rambam says, by Aniyam. But if you come to the Rabbi Nishlam and say, Rabbi Nishlam, there's no one else that can help me. It's only you. There's nobody else that can help me. I'm relying totally on the Rabbi Nishlam. Then Rabbi Nishlam says, ah, just like the Rambam that we learned said, that if a guy comes to you and says, I've got no one else to turn to. I'm making a wedding. There's no one else that can help me. Could you help me? Without you, I cannot make the wedding. Can you imagine if you've got money in your bank account, like you've got a nice amount of money, and someone comes to you and says, I'm trying to make a wedding. I need $5,000. Without $5,000, I can't, I can't make the wedding. I think most people have compassion to write $5,000 check because he's only coming to me. He's got no one else to rely on. He doesn't know anybody else. Nobody else has money. He's stuck. Of course I'm going to give it to him. The Shom says the same thing. The Shom says that if you come to the Rabbani Shalom and you say to the Rabbani Shalom, there is only you. There is nobody else that can help me. I'm totally dependent and relying on you. The Rabbani Shalom says, I'm going to give it to you. But if you come to the Rabbani Shalom and you say, I have a doctor, I have a boss, I have a brother-in-law. I have, I have a whole bunch of people. Also, I'm coming to you. So I said, sure, no problem. I'll be with Tatum. I'll give you his hundred dollars. That's the problem. And that's what a person has to realize. Tefillah can, can, can affect so much if a person has Kavana, if a person understands what he's saying and he understands who he's talking to. And that's why it's so important for a person to have Kavana. Okay? Now, um, I'll tell you like this. The, the Rabbi Yosef Kairoi writes in the Shulchan Aruch. Now, he brings a Gemara. In the fifth parak, the first Mishnah, the Rabbi Yosef Kaira in the Beis Yosef and Hilchas Tefillah brings this down in Simon Sadi Ches, and he brings down the Gemara. And the Gemara says like this: the Gemara says that in the olden days, Hasidim Harishonim, right, the original Hasidim would actually um, spend an hour of preparation before davening, and then afterwards as well, whenever it was. Right? Now, it's, it's, it's very nice. Thank you, thank you, Beis Yosef, for telling me this. But the question everybody asks is, why is the Beis Yosef telling us a random Gemara? It's, it's not a halacha. The Beis Yosef is a, is a halachic sefer. It's writing halacha. So why is he telling me that the Hasidim of Rishonim would do, you know, meditation, they would do, you know, all sorts of things to get them into the mood of davening, whatever it is. So the answer they bring is, Rabbi Yosef Kari isn't just telling us a story. He's telling us, how does a person get to real tefillah? The Yetzirah will come along and distract you with this idea and distract you with this situation and with this thought and with this picture. But a person has to realize the only real way for a person having Kavana is to have preparation. Right? Preparation is similar to what we said last time. And that is you're walking into the base of Knesset, into the base of Medrash. You're opening a Siddha. You have an audience with the Melech Malchem Lochem. You're talking to the Rabbi Nishanayim who loves you, who cares about you, who created you who wants the best for you, who has everything at his disposal, he only thinks about you, can you imagine? And you're talking to him. And yet you have these people, I don't know if you ever saw this, because there's a halach in Shochanach, most people are not familiar with this, unfortunately. It's a Shochanach in the beginning of a Semen Kuf base, Sid Gotten base. Shochanach brings down that you're not allowed to walk in the spine of someone who's doubling Shemun Ezra. Right? There's a halacha that when you take three steps back, you should look back and for someone within Daladamas, you shouldn't take your three steps back. Why? Because you've been Mavatlis Kavana, whatever it may be. We're not going into the halacha right now. Maybe we'll talk about it, but that's what it is. 
I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but sometimes you'll look back to see if the guy's, you know, where's he holding? Like, hold on a minute. Oh, he's finished. So you take a few steps back, you look back again, you're like, and the guy's like, what? <laughs> what happened? I don't understand. Where were you? A few minutes ago you were, oh. And then all of a sudden, bang, you're in it. That, that, that's a problem. It's a big problem. You need hachona. Hachona means you don't have to spend an hour. You know what hachona means? Hachona means spend 30 seconds before you dab in Shemana before you start Lincha, before you start Maya, before you start Shacha. 30 seconds. Maybe even 20 seconds. And just think, for a, just think who am I talking to? What, what, what am I about to ask? I'm asking for somebody else or I'm asking for myself? I'm asking for myself. I'm asking the Rabbani Shalom for things that I need. Don't you think you should have Kavana? Don't you think you should have concentration? The Yisod V'Shosh V'Avodah brings three techniques that I want to share with you about having Kavana. And he says the first piece of advice is to... Okay, so it's an interesting one, this one. First piece of advice is to shake your head. That's what Yisod V'Shosh V'Avodah brings down. He said that's, I guess, where the shockling comes from. He said it increases Kavana. Now, again, you have to know if that works for you, that works for you. Not everyone does that work, but for some people it's Mavatl the Kavana. Right? But that's what Yisod V'Shosh V'Avodah brings down in technique number one. And then he brings another piece of advice. He says, say the word slowly. Maybe stop to think every two or three words. Don't, take, don't, don't, don't say too many words in one breath because you're not giving you an opportunity to be able to think. Just think for a moment. When you just ramble off the words, it's not going to work. Say it slowly. Maybe pause every few words. That helps tremendously when it comes to tefillah. And the third piece of advice he brings is to say the words of Davli like a beggar who's begging for food. Can you imagine? Picture the scene. We should never know. But there are people out there who have to beg for food. They push it, they don't have anything. Right? You see now it's a soul sometimes. A kid will come over to you and say, I- I've got no food because you've got a few shekel, I can go and buy some mazonas or something. It's very, very sad. You, you, your heart goes out to such a person. And the way he asks with such, such heart, such compassion, he's got, no, he's got nothing to eat. Have you got some few shekel? I, need, I, push it, I haven't eaten for, since yesterday. Have you got something for me? That person is, the way he's asking is the way we have to daven. Is the way we have to ask the Rabbanishim because that's what we are. Now, there are other pieces of advice. For example, saying the words loudly is a very, very big thing that's thrown being down for Kavana. When you say it quietly, you know how it is, right? When you ask someone, let's say you ask someone to say Alamechia for the Olam. Robert, could, could you be moit to the Olam Alamechia? Yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. Have you got a setup? Give me a setup, please. You say Alamechia every single day without a setup, no problem. All of a sudden, when you want to be moit to the Olam, I need a setup. Oh, what happened? I can even say the words. <laughs> okay. So basically, when you say it loud, that's how it works. When you say things loud, you actually say the words. When you say it quietly, you kind of sometimes don't. So therefore, one of the reasons, one of the kavodas of tefillah that a person can have is saying it loud. Another thing that Rabbi Rav used to say, um, used to say, simcha, simcha. Say, geshmat, happy. Should be with the amazing thing. The Manchester Rosh Hashivah Zatzal, Segel, used to always say, to point at the words when you're saying them. Also, famous Meister, I think it was the manager of Rosh Hashiva, right? Somebody wrote, took a siddha and they wrote in by Rufa Enu, uh, they wrote in his name to Daven for certain Chayla that when he did a Rufa Shalema. And then they thought, what a chutzpah, what a chutzpah. I, I just wrote in the Manchester Rosh Hashiva to say siddha. That's really not nice. So I went to apologize. Said, Rosh Hashiva, I'm terribly sorry. It's a chutzpah of me to do that. How can I do that? It's really bad. He said, What are you talking about? What are you talking about? He's like, No, I wrote in the side of a siddha. He's like, I have no idea. I don't look outside of the words. 
I don't see anything else. Right? Now, that's a very high madriga, but it gives us something to think about, that perhaps maybe we should, you know, think about it and look into that to see what we could do. I want to end with two Gavaldagamaisas. Two Gavaldagamaisas. Uh, one is a Gavaldagamaisa with Rebeleza Horovitz of Jikov. He was, the, he was actually the son of the Rovshitzer, right? We're in Tali Tzvi from Rovshitz. And he once traveled to Lancet. Those of you that were with us on the Poland trip last year, uh, we went to Lancet. Uh, after we went, we went to visit the Rupshitz, obviously. And uh, he went to travel to this Rebeleza Horowitz of Jikov. So he was the son. And he went to Lancet on his father's Yotzat. Um, right, with the, the Heidegger of Chaim Albestam, the Sanza, who learned under of Naftali, also accompanied him as well. And uh, they went together with some Hasidim. Now, after davening at the Tzaddik, the Rupshitz's cave up, they remained overnight at one of the nearby inns. The next morning, they were dubbing Shachwis, a fire broke out in the inn, and it quickly was spreading because everything in those days was made of wood, so the fire started to spread. The people in the minion, it was in the middle of davening, they just ran out the nearest exit wherever they could, right? And they realized, ooh, the San Zaruv, the Heilige Rebchaim, who came with them to daven by the Rapshatzah, was nowhere to be found. He was still in his room. He was still in his room. They didn't know what to do, right? He was obviously in the middle of Shemina Esra. So the Hasidim wanted to try and get the Rebbe to come out, right? But um, they didn't let him. They said that, don't worry, if he's davening, no fire will have any harm on him whatsoever. When he finished davening, Reb Chaim calmly walked out of the room, unaware of anything that was happening around him. And he said, what's, what's, what's going on? What's all the noise all right over here? Oh, there was a fire in the inn. As soon as he left his room, the entire room just broke out in flames. The kavana that he had is obviously something that we can't relate to. But again, something to aspire to on summer Drega. But I want to give you one Gavalda Gemaisa that Reb Shabtzai Yudalevich brings down. The one on the Magidim of Yerushalayim. It's an incredible thing. He said, there was a guy who worked for the mail. And he looks in the mail one day, and he sees an envelope saying, Dear God. I said, that's weird. Who am I going to deliver this one to? <laughs> what am I going to do with the letter, Dear God? Now, this story happened in Peru. Now, in Peru, the minig was you never open up someone else's mail. It's a superstitious thing. It's like Mamish Osa. He would never dare opening it up to see where it came from. So here he is. He's stuck with a letter saying, Dear God, but he doesn't know who to give it to. So he gives it to his manager. Manager's like, are you crazy? I'm not opening this up. No way. He says, oh, come on. So he gives it to his supervisor. Supervisor says, I'm not touching this letter. And eventually it goes from person to person to person until it reaches the prime minister himself. It lands on the desk of the prime minister. He gets his letter to God. He figures there's no one else is going to open it. It's going to have to be me, right? I'm the highest authority in the country. So he closes the door. He takes his fancy letter opener. And he slowly, cautiously opens the letter. And he takes out the letter. And he reads it. And he reads as follows. Dear God, my name is Juan Diego. I'm sure you know who I am because you know everything. I'm nine years old and I live in the orphanage. I miss my father and my mother very, very much. And I really want a family very badly. Maybe you can help me. You're the only one that can. Your son, Juan. And when the Prime Minister read this, his tears were... He was never Zorka to have children. This Prime Minister was never Zorka to have children. When he read this letter, he said, that is incredible. That, you know what? He called in his wife. He said, you read this. She read it. She started crying. Let's get him. So they started finding a way of, they sent out people to every orphanage in the, in the whole country and they found out the boy that wrote this letter. They sent a limousine and the limousine picked up the boy and he came into the big palace of the Prime Minister and the Prime Minister and his wife were sitting there and they fell in love with him straight away, the sweetest nine-year-old kid. They said to him, tell me something, we'd like, to, we'd like to adopt you, would you like to become our son? And he was ecstatic, wow, this is incredible, unbelievable. And he lived there. Said, Rabbi Shabtzai Yudlevich, that's the koich of a tefillah. 
That's the koyach of a tefillah. We turn to the Rebbeinu Shulana, be'emes, be'kavona, with concentration, with the understanding that the Rebbeinu Shulana loves us, he wants to help us, he has the ability to do whatever it is. Then we can change the world, we can change our lives, and be'ez HaShem Yishev Seth to have better kavona in Davinik.